This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to a Yogi's Guide to Health and Wellness. My name is Kevin Naidu, and I'm so excited to have a good friend of mine on the show today. His name is Andrew Fredericks. He's a yogi, he's a life coach, and so much more. He's got so many gifts inside of himself. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you, Kevin. I'm so, so thrilled to be here. I'm so honored to have been invited on this podcast of yours. Let's jump right in. If I can ask you to just share with us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, a little bit about me is um, just lately, well, you know, the past few years, you know, personal development has been fairly important to me through that. Also, uh, a lot of learning and sharing knowledge, but uh, doing this through teaching and even just in conversation, but most of it is uh, in yoga of some form. What I recently participated in was a yoga and life coaching uh, course, um, followed by a coach mentoring course. And uh, what I quickly learned that I was that I needed to actually be coached back into who I truly am. And I just started to work with residents that are entering into society from prison to uh, help with their transition. Um, so outside of that, you know, I, uh, I participate in running a nonprofit organization focused on free or by donation yoga. I also volunteer with a, a UK non- a nonprofit cryptocurrency team. But what I've been starting to really enjoy is tapping into what I didn't know that I had was um, my, my own artistic expression. And I didn't know that good ideas can just come through that, that it doesn't have to be painting or drawing or anything. So it's been a really interesting process. You know, Andrew, you just spoke about, and I, I super connect to this because this has been a, a big piece of my journey over the last few months, I would say, is just becoming that deep listener. It's amazing what comes through when we can tune in and just be the listener. Sometimes we we fill silence and dead space with talking for no reason um, and just using words for no reason. But when we can just find that stillness and listen, it's truly amazing what comes through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like you said, uh, we just sometimes fill the silence with with words and um, things that just come up. And there's a lot to be found in silence. Um, even just sharing, you know, comfortable silences, even with other people or even by ourselves. There's a lot of introspection that can happen there. Absolutely. So I know, Andrew, you and I used to live very different lives before our our spiritual journey. I know I used to live a life of an addict and a whole bunch of other things. And I know you used to live a very different life before. If you feel called to, I'd love for you to uh, to share a little bit about that with us. Yeah, uh, Kevin, I mean, you've been such a huge part in my life and um, owning those parts of my past in order to move through them and heal. How could I like deny that that question? <laughs> So part of uh, our coursework was to um, practice telling my story in three minutes, but, you know, we can, we can also dive deeper if you have uh, further questions. Um, I guess a good starting point is uh, in my teens, uh, which is when I entered into uh, a life of uh, organized crime by spending so many years of my youth and uh, looking up to these male father figures that were not my father. Uh, my biological father and mother actually separated when I was young at the age of uh, six or seven. This is when he let his anger take the best of him and he harmed me. So 
now there was this, uh, this fear that's uh, ingrained in me uh, many years prior to that, but this actually just like deepened it. And what it did was it taught me to not trust um, the new, like my stepfather, uh, not to trust him as a father figure. And, um, you know, at, at that age, we're, uh, we're, we're using the only skills um, that we have. I, I'd only known how to survive um, socially, right? So um, I gravitated towards finding um, security and towards powerful people. Identity at that age was important. At that time, I, I had like no awareness of the impact of what being like a drug dealer was and how that was affecting their lives. I actually ended like accelerating fairly quickly too because of my like young and innocent looks, but most uh, importantly, awareness around the, the bad things that happened to people who were really uh, in their ego or were uh, really causing trouble uh, opened up my eyes to a lot of uh, insight. But, you know, underneath all of this, there were some um, principles that I was not aware of. And I only actually came to realize them once I'd grown up a little bit. You know, eventually these, uh, these teen years uh, spent in crime moved into my early 20s and things started to get more serious, like um, gangs and trafficking firearms and drugs and um, being a target and two separate uh, sting operations that they netted me a seven-year sentence in prison. And in hindsight, turning myself in was actually the biggest act of surrender that I'd ever done. I wasn't even aware of like the power behind surrender back then. I, I literally did it just because I was getting tired of the life, being on the run, and um, I knew that a change had to happen. I just didn't know what. So, you know, I had to dig real deep inside while incarcerated and, and make some choices if I wanted to earn an early release. You know, I, I earned my first opportunity of parole at uh, one-third of the sentence where I was released after two and a half years uh, serving the remaining four and a half in the community. And at this point, I'd lost about uh, 11 friends in the course of 10 years, which made me really appreciate where I was at. Upon release, that's when life got very real. Uh, I could begin to breathe and start a new life. I now had to face uh, the social anxiety as well. Like I, I knew this old part of me back then, and now I'm in a new city and I'm having to discover a new, a, like who I am now, which is like, it's, it's pretty scary. Um, but, you know, uh, being free in society while under the conditions of the system didn't quite feel like it. In fact, I, uh, I eventually uh, slipped into further isolation to keep myself safe from being sent back in. When you're on parole, it's very, very easy to have your parole revoked. So once I found my first job, I did my very best at it. And um, I really enjoyed it, actually. So I, I just kind of moved up the ladder. Um, the, the owner was really seeing value in me and saw that I was dedicated to this. So... Uh, moved up that ladder to actually um, own one of the locations once, um, but only to actually have it taken out uh, from under me, uh, ironically enough, by uh, a man who turned out to be a, a criminal. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it uh, initially it left me with a lot of distrust and a lot of pain and anger and resentment. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of emotions. But uh, through kind of reflection, I was able to see uh, my ability to discern and find gratitude for all of that experience that I, that I gained in a short period. I mean, that, that would have been like year, years of school and, and financial debt otherwise. So uh, I'm not really an academic person. So the experience has taught me so much. Wow. What a powerful story, Andrew. And what a, what a story of transformation. So if I was to ask you what the catalyst, what the big catalyst for you to your spiritual journey was? What would you say? Mm. So yoga was first experienced in prison in 2012. And then I did a teacher training in April 2015. 
that's the interesting part is that, uh, you know, I took the teacher training, which shifted my lens so that by the time the restaurant was taken from me in July 2016, after all the anger and resentment is settled, I realized just how much that experience of being taken advantage of and manipulated had taught me. The very first day after the restaurant closed is when I taught my very first class because I just chose to surrender to the first time I'd been asked, hey, can you sub my class for me? And I just jumped into it. You know, I, I had no clue what I was going to be doing after the pizza shop closed, but, you know, I knew a break from work had to happen after working about like six days a week for four years. <laughs> and then, you know, working six days a week for four years after not having a life of a legitimate job was pretty intense. So the teacher training taught me about the yamas and the niyamas, which was the most important part to me because, you know, I've, I've been really lucky to have a, um, a healthy body that uh, responds well to asana, but it was the, the yamas and the niyamas are what really, they're, they're what really interested the parts of me that needed attention. And it's those first two limbs of yoga that uh, I began practicing in my work setting, actually, during the last year as an owner. It brought so much to the surface while also creating a unique environment in the workplace. Before that, I used to kind of like um, form opinions or judgments. And and after that, uh, cultivating a new energy in the workspace, uh, we found that like, you know, there's a big difference in the space. So having employees want to come to work rather than having them come there because they have to. So it, it created some good vibes there. After all of that uh, restaurant stuff, uh, it, it eventually brought me to meeting karma teachers and learning to teach in the yoga training. When I was encouraged to be a part of the program, I thought, well, like, what, what would I teach? I'm, I have these other faculty members who have like double digit years of experience and I've only graduated uh, to, like two years before. What do I really have to offer? Um, and that's when the Yamas and the Yama portion training began to form very slowly. So I started with the, the framework that was shared in the teacher training from 2015. And I'm extremely grateful to have been a part of those 13 or 14 trainings in three years. Uh, you know, there must have been a, a little over 300 students that were part of that process as it grew. It sure taught me and uh, is still teaching me like uh, quite a bit. Beautiful. Thank you, Andrew. And those in the audience that aren't familiar with the Yamas and Niyamas, just, just to clarify, it is uh, the ethical guidelines of yoga that is broken down, just, just so you're all aware. So now, Andrew, what daily practices support your health and your healing journey every day? No, that's a great question. So, I mean, after studying those yamas and yamas for so long, they've started to become like almost like this embodied like lens. And, you know, they always fluctuate and weave back and forth. But, uh, you know, besides breathing and, and meditation, lately I actually thought it would be a good idea to be taking advantage of my phone and beginning to use it as a tool rather than me being a tool to it. So I've, I've spent a lot of time setting some like multiple little like reminders throughout the day, even every few hours, uh, it would just kind of notify me with a, a chosen like affirmation or something that asks me a question of self-inquiry or even just something to kind of bring me into my body. And what this is doing for me is it's, it's creating these new patterns in my brain to be firing different neurons and, uh, and form new habits. Um, it's been allowing me to be using the brain more as a tool when it's needed. And, and then I get to enjoy the space in between and uh, become more present. So then 
as time goes by, I, I start to um, notice the changes. I can start to shift the notica- notifications to something new or um, remove it completely. It's, it's, a, it's a real roller coaster sometimes. Um, I've spent such a long time without interrupting previous thought patterns that the chemistry seemed um, unhealthy. And um, it really came down to measuring what can be changed internally rather than externally. But, um, you know, I'm not afraid to admit that, you know, I also think that um, having a counselor was one of the most helpful um, things throughout the process. Right. I, you know, I really love how you just spoke to your phone, because most of us in this world, we we look at that phone as a distraction and the phone tends to distract us. But you're using that phone to create consistency within your journey, within self, to bring you back to present moment, no matter what is going on in your day to day. And that's just a really beautiful way to look at it. Mm. Absolutely, because we've just been so trained to respond to the notifications of new messages and like realizing that algorithms have been formed to make us the product. Let's let's take back like our power and, and use this this device to use it to be bettering you know our our day to day lives rather than engaging in um, you know a lot of social media. Definitely. So, Andrew, I know you and I have lived very similar experiences and we've been through very similar experiences. And I know for me, shadow work has been one of the biggest gifts and catalysts on my journey as it's allowed me to really transform my wounds, any traumas, any mistakes and transfer them into light to really see. Because when we can embrace all aspects of ourselves, then we're really coming home. So within your journey, what does shadow work mean to you? You really hit the, the, the nail on the head. But since you're asking me what this, uh, what this means to me is um, it's, it's taking ownership of where it sits within me, how it has played or uh, plays out. It's a real individual process and requires us to be uh, fearless, patient, intuitive, and creative. You know, I've read that like some people really acknowledge it as an ongoing process because they, they keep discovering new areas of, of work that they didn't know existed, just like peeling the layers on an onion. Um, so for me, looking at my shadow requ- requires uh, safety and confidence as well. And feeling like, you know, feeling like it is okay to look at and speak about because ownership is, is important and it's a process. So Otherwise, otherwise, it's just like Halloween on, on Groundhog Day because my earliers were spent developing a mask of my shadows and then hiding behind them to eventually, um, you know, face them and own them and be aware of uh, its tendencies. Right. And I know for I know for me, Andrew, when I when I'm doing my shadow work, I, I love that you spoke to being gentle, being compassionate, being in a safe space and all those pieces. And for me, I really find a lot of power in the transformation when I can actually give voice to those shadow aspects that weren't voiced for a long time for most of my life. But when I can give voice, it's like I feel that transformational power happening. You're right. Like it's it's interesting because um, it's it's almost like once it's vocalized, it's like it's gone. In some forms, it can be writing things out. Then you know it's gone. It's on paper. You look at it, or you if you hear yourself say it, it's it's not in us anymore. Or you know we're bringing awareness to it and shining light on it. So yeah, you you you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I love that um, that concept. <laughs> 
Right. So Andrew, if I if I was to ask you what you would say to everyone on the planet right now, what would you say? Uh, it would be to uh, to dig deep and be kind, to cultivate an environment that can facilitate and support that journey, and and dig deep into the unconscious patterns and conditioning that we were raised in, and uh, you know how our reality has been formed. Because um, that's an experience, uh, that's an individual experience, and not not everyone grew up in the same situations. Yet there's uh, systems that have been put in place before us to condition the ones after us, and you know everyone is on that ride in some way. So compassion for one another is a great lens to help navigate that journey, but this comes second to self love. That's 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 what I would say. Absolutely, I, I you know I hundred percent agree. You know it's. Most of us as humans, we find it very easy to say I love you to every single person walking past us, but to say it to ourselves is is when the challenge often comes. But when we can start to love ourselves, we can love everyone around us. And that's when division breaks and our lens changes where we can see each other through that lens of love and not judgment. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So Andrew, I would love for you if you're feeling called um, to take our audience through a tool or an exercise that can support their healing journey for the next few minutes. Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, I've decided on one that can be, you know, be done almost anywhere at any time. Um, it'll, it'll just start with some, some breathing, just tuning into the body, starting to just have a moment of connecting the mind and the body and just, simple tool so uh, uh, i'd encourage you to maybe um really use your our ears to be listening whether that be to any any external noises that come up and the silence in between see if you can tune into that little like white noise of the body that we sometimes hear when we're falling asleep hear the cues but you don't need to follow it in sync so i'd like to invite you to just start breathing and breathe at your own pace and allow it to find its space inside, wherever that is. And notice if it is uh, coming in through the nose or the mouth, and just follow where it goes. Maybe it just goes to the chest for now, or maybe it goes to the diaphragm, and perhaps it might even sink as deep as the pelvic floor. And when you exhale, you exhale through the mouth, and maybe allowing the hips to sink a little deeper into the seat. Just keep the breath going at your own pace. And on each of the exhales, maybe softening the brow line and relaxing the jaw, just allowing it to slide down. And on the inhale, allow the crown to lift. And in between these breaths, if there's any external noises, just hear them and search for the sound in between them. Listen to the silence in between words or in between the ringing of the bowls. And if you find any sensation or tension building the body, just maybe replace that with an exhale. And let that go. 
On your inhale, breathe into the belly and then up into the chest. And through the mouth. Maybe you find a longer exhale than an inhale. Maybe there is an inhale of four and maybe an exhale of six, but the numbers are yours to choose. With your breath, maybe take an inhale of four and hold for three, two, one, and exhale for four, three, two, one, and hold for three, two, one, and inhale for four, three, two, one, and hold. some space in between the eyelids and allowing the light to come in. Find that tall seat and come back into your, your spot. Beautiful, Andrew. Beautiful. I use singing bowls every day in, in my practice as well, and it's such a beautiful tool to use, especially during meditation. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so honored to, you know, and lucky to have you as a friend, a teacher. Um, you've been such a, uh, when we did that training together, um, you know, I got so much from it. It was really one of those um, next level trainings that um, that took me deeper into myself beyond a 200 hour. So um, I owe a lot of this to, to you. <laughs> this is Kevin Naidu for A Yogi's Guide to Health and Wellness. This podcast is produced and hosted by me, Kevin Naidu. Technical production by Sam Robinson. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Thanking again my special guest today, Andrew Fredericks, and hoping all of you out there have a really beautiful day, always remembering that you're beautiful, you're loved, and you're worthy of just you being you. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.